Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your co-hosts, Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye. Uh, yesterday, Hayward, it was kind of hot at Mount Zion, but we did commemorate the 56th anniversary of the 1963 March on Washington, D.C. for Jobs and Justice. And it was a spirited crowd. I can't think of Josephine Howell, the welcoming uh, and outstanding job that the Brotherhood Chorus did. And I also want to give a shout-out to Scott's Trophy. Uh, they delivered, that's a, a woman-owned company in Ballard, and they delivered those plaques uh, in a day's notice. So I want you all to remember, Scott's and Ballard, because it's a woman-owned firm, and they do very quality work. But we're going to go to, I guess we have a number of people we're going to talk with today, and the Urban League of Metropolitan Seattle doing so many wonderful things. Wonderful. Everybody know about Linda Taylor and the housing program, and then Augustine Cedar as uh, the vice president of operations, and uh, he and uh, introduced our, our program manager. I don't want to mess her name up. If I hear it once, I'll remember it, Augustine. You got it. That's Zina Bakari, our okay. program coordinator. Okay, Zina, introduce Zina. yourself to the people. Hi, this is Zaina Bakari. I'm the new program coordinator at the Urban League of Metropolitan Seattle. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. So we'll start with Augustine because you guys are doing some real important things. It really caught my eye that this urban tech program training uh, long-term unemployed adults to be able to fit into, I guess, this uh, Amazon uh, web service training, this iCloud training. So, uh, Augustine, but first of all, I'd like to have you, since you're the vice president of operations, we want you to talk about the overall situation with the Urban League of Metropolitan Seattle right now, and we'll let uh, Zina talk more about the specific program stuff. Okay. Well, thank you for having us on, uh, Mr. Rye. The Urban League of Metropolitan Seattle, uh, we're working hard over here day and night, focusing on education, housing, and employment. Uh, we're touching a lot of people and uh, getting them jobs. We're working out of six different high schools and our education program. And our housing program uh, has been, in the last six months, uh, through its home-based program, has saved almost 300 families uh, from facing eviction. Uh, but today we're really excited to talk about our new urban tech program, uh, which is going to close the gap for African Americans in employment and really uh, move things forward. Okay, so uh, I know you guys have like a career bridge program. Can you share with our listeners a little information about the career bridge program? Sure thing. So our career bridge program uh, is a job readiness program with a strong emphasis on life skills. Uh, we know that employers are asking for not just people with skill sets, but people who are strong in soft skills. So CareerBridge uh, helps people get ready for the workforce. It helps people who are uh, coming out of post-incarceration. We also work with young adults and people who just might be changing a career, haven't been in the workforce in a while, and want to sort of uh, reset. Uh, and, it, and everyone who goes to the CareerBridge program gets wraparound support services, uh, help with anything from driver's licenses, to housing, uh, to work booths. Our job is to remove any barriers that are keeping people from being successful in the workplace. And with saying all that, please let our listeners know how they can get in touch with you and the Urban League of Metropolitan Seattle to receive those services. So the easiest way to do it is to go online to www.urbanleague.com and all of our uh, programs, whether it's housing, Employment and Education are listed on the website, mm -hmm. or they can come on down. Is that .com or .org? That's, uh, sorry, .org. Okay. 
I send or, you guys emails all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My my mistake. And, no problem. Or they could just come on down to the Urban League. We're on 14th and Yesla at 105 14th Avenue, Suite 200, uh, and meet one of our staff uh, who will walk them through the program. Or they could call us at 206-461-3792. Uh, sometimes if people cannot make it to us because there are barriers of transportation, we uh, have some assistance with that as well. Augustine Hayward here. You know, first of all, let me salute the Urban, Urban League. Just a fantastic job. But from the perspective for our listenership, what would you say are the top three barriers that are impacting people, particularly uh, descendants of the enslaved, from becoming that permanent employer, that person in this full-time tech field? So the three things uh, that come to mind for me, uh, first is housing. We're working with a lot of people who struggle with housing, uh, permanent housing, that is. And when a person is not stable or steady, it's really hard to focus on a career or further their education to move up in the, work, in the workplace. Another thing is the tech field. The tech field uh, currently is still majority uh, Caucasian uh, males and then females. Uh, Asian, and then African-Americans are sort of at the bottom of that list with Hispanics. Uh, because they're not getting access to good education uh, and good housing, it's kind of hard to move forward in the workforce. And that's where we come in. And is there a third, one more? So you got housing, education, and then a lot of uh, so our career bridge program works with 80% of people who have been post-incarcerated. Yes. And unfortunately, that stigma still exists mm -hmm. for people who have uh, made bad choices, uh, they've done their time, uh, and they're ready to move on with their lives, but they're still facing multiple barriers into getting into the workforce, uh, the tech field, the healthcare field, and a lot of other sectors are not as friendly. Uh, so that's become a barrier as well. Or that's been a barrier. Uh, driver's license and IDs, how's that coming along for Polk? Uh, it's coming along great. Uh, we have a great driver's license program uh, provided by Sound Transit, uh, but we know that people also are having a lot of transportation problems. And there's a lot of employers today, if you don't have a driver's license, mm -hmm. you're almost getting looked past. Okay. Uh, so if you got a, a person in their late 20s or early 30s, it's almost like a sign of irresponsibility if they don't have a driver's license. And so we have a driver's license program that helps people uh, with that as well. And it doesn't matter uh, if they have had tickets or have problems with the past. We have multiple uh, different things that we do to help them obtain their driver's license again. Okay, let's hear from the program manager, Ms. Bakari, on uh, the Urban Tech program. Hi. Yeah, we are really excited to be launching um, the Urban Tech program. So this is an accelerated training program that's being funded by the U.S. Department of Labor. Um, so it's free to participants. And by the end of it, uh, participants will be eligible to become certified in cloud computing via the Amazon Web Services. So give us uh, some information about how people can get involved. Who do they contact? What's the duration of the program? Is there a stipend? Is there any kind of supportive services for people who have been unemployed for a long time? Sure. Yeah, so this program does target long-term unemployed individuals from the greater Seattle area. Um, so, so in order to participate in this program, a person must have been unemployed or underemployed for at least 27 weeks, um, and they will need a high school diploma and the ability to pass 
uh, math and reading test at the 10th grade level. The class lasts six weeks and our first cohort starting on September 9th, so just around the corner. Um, and there will be no fee associated with this course. It'll be completely free. In fact, participants will be receiving a stipend of $75 biweekly, as well as getting a laptop um, and, again, just all the benefits that come along with, with access to this opportunity. So greater earning potential moving forward, um, improved tech skills, and, uh, and just potential for, for, so much, for so much more when it comes to tech. Now, are, are you partnering with any private firms right now so that <clears throat> there's a smooth stream from their training to employment? How does that work? Yeah, we're partnering uh, with Amazon to put on this class. And our jobs, uh, our job developers work with over 100 different employers and a lot of them tech employers. The thing to understand is when people think about tech, they think about Microsoft and Amazon and Google, and we partner with those firms. Uh, but there's tech jobs that can be found in multiple organizations, including city, state, and other private organizations. And so part of what we're also offering with this program is for those who complete it successfully, we'll be paying for a one-month internship with a company that we're partnering with uh, to start to kind of open the door for them. Now, paying the internship, how, how, do you, how would you define that? What are you paying, or, or you as the Urban League is paying these people during their employment, during that training period? So for the job? first month, the Urban League is paying the company that they will be interning with uh, to provide them salary for the first, uh, for the first 30 days. Goodness. And the goal is to try to get them in the door, mm -hmm. uh, provide a service that has no cost to the company, and hopefully land a, a good job. That's a good approach. I remember many years ago when I was the director of camp, we would hire people as consultants to get them in the arena so they could ex exhibit their, their skills and specific disciplines. And um, we were really successful in getting a lot of people hired permanently in other companies just by giving them that, that exposure. But before we cut the interview up, I want you guys to give the contact information for our listeners one more time. And this program will air again on Saturday morning, 8 to 9, so they can hear exactly. And it's also archived on UrbanForumNW.com, our website. So why don't you give us that contact info once more? Okay, so... For Urban Tech Program, they can go on to Urban League's website at www.urbanleague.org and go under the Workforce tab, and they'll see Urban Tech. When they go on there, there's a very short, simple application to fill out, and one of our Urban Tech team members will call them back within 24 hours to help them get enrolled, or they can come right here to the Urban League uh, on 105 14th Street, 14th Avenue, Suite 200, uh, to enroll. Okay. Uh, enrolls close September 5th, so and the class is filling up fast. Okay, Augustine, Asita, right. and Ms. Bakari, want to thank you guys for all the work you're doing with the Urban League of Metropolitan Seattle. And I know that uh, the boss is out of town now. We'll check in <laughs> when Ms. Michelle gets back. So you guys have a glorious weekend, and thank you for all the work you're doing. Thank you for your time. Thank all you right, so now. Much. Okay. Bye -bye. Uh, our next guest, before we go to Mr. Paul Mitchell, also known as the Breezer, I want to let everybody know that Urban Forum Northwest is brought to you by the Port of Seattle's Office of Social Responsibility. As a matter of fact, hey, we acknowledged Luis Navarro last night. He's oh, going to be yeah. on the program a little later. He received one of the awards last night at the 56th 
uh, anniversary of the commemoration of the 63 March on Washington. Sound Transit Small Business uh, Development and Labor Compliance Office with Leslie Jones. We're going to have her on to talk about Sound Transit going south and east. <clears throat> the City of Seattle Person Construction Services Office with Liz Alzier. Uh, Concourse Concession, Dave Fukuhara, SeaTac Bar Group, LLC. Jerry Whitsitt and Ron O'Neill, the two Desert Storm veterans. And Soul Sys Media with Stephanie Ogle does our website. And don't forget, uh, we're going to talk to Paul Mitchell right now about the Roots Picnic on Sunday and every Thursday night at Rumba Notes Lounge. Uh, LaTanya and Michelle will welcome you to hear some of the best live music in town, plus the spoken word and other things. So, Mr. Paul Mitchell. In some circles. In some circles, okay. <laughs> well, Eddie Ryan Hayward Evans here, so we know on Sunday now, they said it might rain a little bit, but we're going to try to, I'm still going to barbecue, so I'll have a rib or two for you. <laughs> so why don't you give our listeners the details on uh, the upcoming uh, Northwest Black Pioneers Roots Breakfast Group Picnic. All right. You know, this is something that we've been uh, having for the last uh, 47 years. This is our 40, 47th anniversary of our uh, Roots Family Celebration, uh, previously known as a picnic, but, you know, terminology picnic is no longer acceptable. So we, we had to change it to celebration. But this year we're going to have a, just a wonderful uh, celebration at the uh, African American Museum, Jimmy Hendrix Park, uh, adjacent to Sam Smith Park. So we'll have that whole area. And, and this is September 1st. This is Sunday, uh, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. And, boy, do we have a full house, I mean a full program. We got live music that showcased our local artists, dance, spoken word, award, prize drawing, senior garden. We have the antique cars. We have the helicopter. We have games, dominoes, chess, and all kinds of stuff. We have access to the uh, African American Museum. Uh, I think at no price, at no cost, I hope. <laughs> the lady gonna kill me. I'm saying it's free and it's, and it's a, a, a minimal charge, but I think I've talked to you and they let everybody come in free if they want to see it. I think that's, a un, that's an untapped uh, treasure we have that a lot of people in our community haven't even visited yet. But Sunday is going to be a, a unique day. Uh, we're going to honor our major pastors in our major churches on Sunday, five pastors, ministers. We're going to you know, bring them up and honor them. And the five ministers is uh, Braxton, uh, Reverend Dr. Braxton, Leslie Braxton from, uh, <clears throat> from uh, Eddie, what is the name? New Beginnings Christian Fellowship. Huh? New Beginnings Christian Fellowship. Uh, New Beginnings Christian Fellowship. And then we have uh, uh, Proctor. Okay. Terrence Church, Proctor, Church, 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 Church by the Side of the Road, yeah. Right. And we have... Uh, we have uh, uh, Phyllis Bomate. Reverend Dr. Oh. Phyllis Bomate. Reverend Dr. Yeah. Phyllis, yeah. From, she would get mad if you didn't put that <laughs> Reverend Doctor on there. Now she listened to you right now, too. Oh. Oh. <laughs> this is a live program, Mr. Mitchell. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, what she said, like she said at the meeting this morning with the governor's staff, the sub-cabinet, yeah. yeah, the doctor is, I earned it. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what she, she'll let you know, she earned it. They want to let you know, they earned that doctor. So they want to be recognized. Okay. That's right. We recognize your brother, Dr. Charles Mitchell. Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah. Anybody with that D. Matter of fact, I just Dr. Andrea Rye. Andrea Rye. Is she a doctor? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, that's, yeah. Yeah. You know, those are hard earned. 
know, yep. they, don't, they don't come easy. Yeah, Charles went down to Brigham Young for his, and Andrew went to Oregon State. Oh, he went to, oh, she went to Oregon State, huh? <laughs> yep, that's where she got her Ph.D. from. Oh, good for her. Good yeah, for happy her. anniversary, Andrea. Yeah. We have an anniversary tomorrow. Yeah. The anniversary. 50 years. There you go. <laughs> 50 years. Amen. Yep, and I'm only 47. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like me, Doc. I know. Well, I'm, I'm 49 now. I yeah. just had a birthday uh, a couple of weeks ago. That's really something. Andrea thought that Paul Mitchell was the youngest of the Mitchell brothers. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> and right. Right now, he's the oldest. There you go. But in spirit, he's the much youngest. <laughs> yep. So anyway, let's get back. I'm getting personal. Let's <laughs> let's get back to the picnic. What else Ooh, What else do we have on online? Now, is there going to be free food? Do people bring their own food? Oh, yeah, of course. The, the big thing is that everybody should bring their food who can. Uh, you know, we don't furnish food for you know for for, for people okay. who can bring food. Now, we do have a, what we call a senior garden that we'll that we'll uh, we'll feed you know the, the you know the destitute and the one who can't oh, afford to cook or either the incapable of bringing anything. Mm-hmm. We will feed them. Okay. Uh, so. We do have a senior garden. We have the wonderful uh, uh, Leslie, uh, <laughs> a beaver, is, is in charge of that area there, you know, from the facts. Okay. Yeah. She, does a, does a, she does a good job, but she has her daughters and her sons and And have all them finished the sisters yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they'll be there taking care of the yeah. food for the, yeah. for the, for the, uh, for the elders. And I have a rib for each one of them. <laughs> <laughs> you might bring over a slab and throw it over in the pot. Yeah, well, I can do that, too. I plan on doing something Saturday for Sunday. Well, that's good. That's yeah, good. So. And, and, and you are an excellent barbecuer. I know yes, that. You're an excellent yes, cook, yeah. period. Well, thank you, sir. I you appreciate almost, that. You almost could you almost could do this. You can talk. Now, Paul, <laughs> now, now, Paul you mentioned Braxton Proctor and Dr. Bomonte. Now, who are the other two ministers? Uh, you know, uh, uh, Dr. Curry, uh, Anderson from... Uh, Curry Anderson, right. Yeah, my church. We just got, he got an award last night. He's yes, out of town, but he got an award last night from the Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee for his leadership. You know, he's really been involved in the McKinney Coalition, oh. helping us get that building on 22nd, which is now known, it used to be SOICSVI, it is now known as the McKinney Center for Community and Economic Development. There was oh, yeah, a meeting with yeah. some of the governor's people this morning yeah. at that building, about how we're going to be able to help uplift and promote our businesses and make sure they have a place to come when they need support and advocacy. So those are the things that we're doing as well. Well, good for him. I'm glad to hear that because I think he, I like to think, he, you know, he, the, the bishop gave him the, another year here. At, yeah, we begged the bishop for that too. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, you know, this, he's been here 15 years. It doesn't seem yeah. that long. Yeah, we told the bishop when he was here a couple of years ago, man, let him stay here now. <laughs> Because well, he also opened the doors for the event we had for Carolyn Riley Payne last month, too. Yes, oh, he did. So, yeah, so he's really been on top of everything, and we really appreciate him, too. Well, yeah, well, that's, that's one reason he gave now, now, you a member of that church, right? Yeah, I'm a member of the church, sure okay. am. Okay. Yes, indeed. And and the uh, fifth one is uh, is the church in New Hope. Okay, yeah, Reverend Jeffrey. Reverend, Reverend Dr. Jeffrey, yeah, Robert we, Jeffrey. Yeah, well, we're going to honor him. That's good. So we got we got a Black Dog Day Task Force, Clean Greens Farm. Yep, that's right. They're that's really I, doing some things. And, and then course, Reverend Bomani's doing a lot of stuff with the, uh, with the Martin Luther King. Uh, and also, she was at the meeting today about uh, uh, the McKinney Center for Community and Economic Development. So, yeah. And she's been a stalwart. So uh, she's worthy to be recognized for all the work she's done. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. You know, she's one of my favorites. I've known her, her and her family. Since we were all in grade school, we, uh, with the TT minor, is that right? And you know, her, with Dickie and all those, all those brothers of hers, 
came from a family full of, full of, full of boys. Okay. You never would know it, but yeah, they live right on 23rd, right across the street from the old YMCA. All right. Yeah. Okay, Paul. Look here, man. We got the roll here, man. So everybody show up Sunday. Oh yeah, man. Tell you, yeah, bring your bring your uh, your picnic basket. If you can't you can't bring your, bring that, well, come on out and join us in the way because we'll have all kind of entertainment. Uh, we 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 don't have we don't allow alcohol, uh, but uh, I guess if, if it's in you already, we can't do nothing about that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Paul Mitchell. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks okay. very much. We'll see you Sunday, brother. Okay, Doc. Okay, though. Bye bye. All right. Uh, our next guest is, uh, matter of fact, used to be on uh, the station. Uh, his name is uh, Keith Tucker. Uh, Keith is uh, with Hip Hop is Green. They got a, a big event coming up, a screening. And I saw his uh, flyer in uh, Starbucks down on Rainier and Martin Luther King Jr. way south. So I said, let me give Keith a call. So, Keith, I did a little summary. I was up to midnight trying to get the, the emails out. So uh, why don't you explain to Hayward and I and our guests exactly what's going to be happening on September 7th at 5 o'clock at Langston Hughes. Yeah. Hi, Eddie. How you doing? Thanks for having me on. Um, we're doing a screening of a wonderful film called Invisible Vegan, and uh, it uh, was directed by a young lady by the name of Jasmine Leva, and she has uh, many preeminent people that are involved in this whole new health and wellness movement in the black community. And, uh, you know, Cedric the Entertainer is in there, John Sally's in there, um, many other, Tracy McCorder, who came on the, um, the show with me when I was at KKNW, and many other people um, that are a part of this movement, including myself. I have a little cameo in there, too. So, yeah, so um, we would love people to come out, bring your whole family. It's free. And, you know, there's always going to be food associated with the events that I do. So, Chef Ariel. Uh, is going to be preparing some light snacks for the people that come. Now, from from the perspective of uh, the movie itself, now what does the movie get across in terms of its actual point? What what are we trying to produce? Hey, but I just okay. found out that we have the director on the line, Ooh, so we can talk right to Jasmine. So Keith, why don't we go and let uh, Jasmine respond? Yeah. Let Hayward got Jasmine. Welcome to uh, Urban Forum Northwest with Eddie Ryan Hayward Evans. And glad that hey, you're going to be working with my good friend, uh, who I grew up with as daddy. <laughs> but, <laughs> okay. So Keith is like a little brother, though. So I mean, he's out there. He's he's uh, he's uh, the real deal. That's all I can say. And people are finally starting to listen to him. But Hayward, why don't you repose your question to, to, to the film yeah, director, Jasmine? Somebody doesn't know much, and then I hear Invisible Beacon. Now, tell me what I'm going to get out of it as a descendant of one of the enslaved here in the states. What is this movie going to do for me? Okay, so basically I want to reconnect our community back to, I guess, healthier food ways. Because when we think about how African-Americans eat and how we relate to food in this country, you know, we're always portrayed with fried chicken and soul food and all these greasy, salty, sugary foods. But we come from a continent, one of the richest resource continents on the planet. You know, our ancestors were eating fresh crops. They were eating plants. You know, the diet we associate with, you know, the diet we've inherited is the slave diet. So I'm trying to, like, reconnect and take us back before that. Like, hey, no, let's get in touch with our real roots. Let's get in touch with our ancestry. And whenever you see veganism or plant-based eating, health and wellness, whenever you see these things marketed in the past, 
it would be associated with, you know, white faces or, you know, people with European features. You didn't see black people or people of color represented in the movement. So from this film, I want, you know, I want more people like me to see themselves represented in the health and wellness space. So McDonald's isn't the only thing that's being marketed to us. Well, you got my wife, daughter, and I, because that's what they're pushing right now. That that sounds absolutely fantastic. And now you, they talked about some of the people who are starring in it. Can you go over that again, who the uh, actors are? Oh, yeah. So, okay, so when I watch a lot of documentaries, you know, sometimes for, for certain segments of the population, I feel like documentaries can be a little dry. And, you know, so that means those segments are going to miss the information. So I wanted to make sure I had a wide variety of personalities that people could relate to. So, you know, Cedric the Entertainer, he was going on his health journey. So I brought him into the project because I wanted, you know, I, I didn't want it to be a stiff documentary. I wanted people to have, like, fun while they learn. Um, John Sally, you know, a lot of people say, oh, veganism, it's emasculating. It's just like, no, look, here, you have this athlete who actually yeah. flourished when he was on a plant-based diet. So using him to kind of break the stereotype. You have Breeze Harper. Not only is she in the plant-based movement, she's like a critical race theorist, you know, graduated from Harvard. She did the book Sist a Vegan. To be, so, you know, had somebody to come bring in some of the intellectual flavor. So it's a it's a lot of great people in the doc. Stick from Dead Prez. You know, you have rappers. You have um, Lillian Comer. She's in, Seattle, she's in Seattle with you guys. And she runs like a plant-based um, dessert company. So we got a lot of different people from a lot of different walks of life. And Keith Tucker, now we got to throw him out there. One of the local. Oh stars. yeah, that's a <laughs> yeah, that's a given. So Keith Tucker, yeah, there's a cameo of him in the last part of the film where he's pretty much putting out his agenda and what he's trying to do in his own space with hip hop is green. Keith, so what? It, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I, I was going to ask Keith, what else is uh, in store? We have the screening. What else is in store uh, for uh, September seventh at Langston Hughes? Well, the great thing is, is that you'll be there to see Jasmine, and you'll be able to also uh, talk to the, her producer, Erica Taylor. Uh, they'll both be there, and uh, I'll be there, of course. But, you know, people, the crowd and the people that come will be able to ask them questions. Um, Jasmine, you know, did a lot of heavy lifting to get this film where it is, Um we helped by doing some screenings around the country, but she had screenings with all kind of grassroots organizations, and she could tell you more about that heavy lifting because, you know, people really don't know. It's about health, yeah, the film is about health, but the, the part of the film that you won't see is all of the sweat and equity that Jasmine put in to get the film where it is now. It's actually on Amazon Prime now, and I know she's got a story on how that happened as well, too, if you want to share that, Jasmine. Yeah, why don't we? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I will. <laughs> the thing about this film, it was definitely a passion project, something that was really important to my heart because I don't think a lot of people know what it feels like to work on something literally for years, to throw your savings into it, to throw everything into it, and not even see a dime of profit per se. You know, like at this point, I'm, you know, after five, six years of work, it's like I don't even think I've broke even yet. So, you know, I did put everything in it, but that's, but that's what you have to do if you really want to see change in a certain area. Like, even when I first put the film out, like, I put it on YouTube for free because I was just like, you know, as much as, you know, I want to make money off of this, the message kind of transcends profit, 
You know, I, I want I, I actually really want my people to see this. And then I did a crowdfunding campaign where, you know, when I didn't have an extra 50 grand in my pocket, you know, a lot of people chipped in to get the film made. So I felt like, oh, OK, well, it's only appropriate. All these the people helped me fund it. So the people should have access to it. But, you know, putting together a documentary, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, it's going to be very interesting. And Keith, uh, by bringing Jasmine to town with this film, I think you're going to see an increase in your uh, uh, your attendance, uh, especially because of something. Look, I, I'm going to have to I'm going to be there myself. I'm going to have to check it out. I'm going to have to check it out. Absolutely. And we'll give you a shout-out again next week. So I want to thank both of you all today for sharing that with us. And as Keith knows, this program will repeat on Saturday morning so more folks can hear. And it'll also be archived on the Urban Forum Northwest website uh, so people can get information. And we'll give you a shout-out again next week, brother. And, Eddie, I want to say one last thing. I want to give a shout-out to the Northwest Animal Rights Network. They're the ones who are really bringing Jasmine here. I'm just helping as far as Hip Hop is Green is concerned. But shout-out to uh, NARN and all the work that they're doing and uh, Rachel and her whole organization because they're the ones who uh, is uh, spearheading this uh, thing for Langston Hughes. So shout-out to them. They're on Facebook, and they were also uh, on all the 1,000 emails that went out. As yep. the sponsors mm-hmm. of the event. So, yeah, we definitely mm-hmm. took care of them. So thank both of you very much. Thank Look forward you. to seeing you September 7th. Thank you. Eddie. All right. Okay, now. All right, now. Okay. We're going to take a quick break and come back with our next guest after this. Step up your commute and ride light. Sound Transit's new Capitol Hill and University of Washington Link Light Rail stations are now open. Get around town faster and more reliably than ever. Ride now from the University of Washington to Capitol Hill in just four minutes or continue on to Westlake Station in just eight minutes. Find lots of helpful information on how to ride, how to get an Orca card, and more at ulink2016.org. Link Light Rail. More stations, more places. At the Port of Seattle, diversity is the source of possibility and strength. And we honor our diverse community by expanding opportunities for all people to share in our region's economic prosperity. From the seaport to the airport, we're working to support small businesses, including those owned by women and minorities, and to create quality jobs with lifelong career paths. The Port of Seattle continues to be your port of opportunity. Get your daily dose of variety. Alternative Talk, 1150. Okay, Eddie Ryan Hayward Evans is back at Urban Forum Northwest with our next guest, who was honored last night. Hayward, yes. go ahead and oh, take it off. Look, this is uh, Luis Navarro. For those who don't know him, he's the Director of Social Responsibility at the Port of Seattle. And you talk about a person who's been there over the years for inclusion, making sure that everybody's having access to contracts, jobs, anytime we needed anything, who are we going to call? Luis. Call Luis. Anything relative to the port. Call Luis. Well, sometimes we keep calling people, but it's good when people know that we're there behind them and that we want to pat them on the back or at least show our love for them because this guy truly has deserved it. Luis, share with the people, our, our listenership, who you are and your responsibility. Well, I'm, I'm almost speechless, but thank you again, Eddie and Hayward, for the tremendous honor, one, of our friendship and our relationship over the years. And two, last night was something that I didn't expect. The work that I do and, and 
colleagues of mine at the Port of Seattle. The work that we do, we do it because it is the right thing to do, it is the responsible thing to do. The Port of Seattle has to be much more uh, connected to underrepresented communities. We have to change uh, an old system that uh, favored uh, certain groups over others, and that is what we've, we've been trying to do over the years uh, in the Office of Social Responsibility and being recognized for our work, even though there is much more to do, much more to do, but even uh, the recognition of the, the work that we've done to date is something that I'll cherish for, for the rest of my life, and, and I, I am absolutely humbled by even being uh, next to people that have done a lot more work in the community that, that I have. You know, you know, Luis. On on that note, what they do, you are always in the community, but you're always back there, and you push us out front. And I, I think that is great. And if we look at the number of people that have access to contracts or who are working because of your efforts, clearly that needs to be recognized and acknowledged. But tell tell us something about other things that you do because you're a volunteer. I know you help out at El Centro de la Raza. Just share with us a little bit about you, your background, for our listenership. Who who is Luis Navarro? <laughs> Well, uh, Luis Navarro was born in a very humble environment in a little country uh, that I'm very proud of, uh, Costa Rica. As a child, I, I did work the fields, the coffee fields in Costa Rica, and I remember uh, being there with brothers and sisters in the coffee fields, uh, picking that beautiful, ripe coffee bean, wondering where it would end up. Little did I know that as a young kid, Someday I would know exactly where that coffee would come, and that is places like Starbucks in yeah. Seattle. And now I'm actually a customer, and I cannot uh, have a cup of coffee without thinking who picked that uh, coffee, uh, whether it was last month or last year. But I think of another Luis Navarro being in the fields picking that coffee, and that experience has really helped me shape the rest of my life of one not forgetting that my roots were humble. There were other people that loved me and cared for me who were also humble and didn't have much material things. And through hard work and, and ethics instilled in me by my parents, my mother and my father, and also education that was important in my life and opportunities that others provided me because no one is born uh, with a college degree without someone helping them. And that was, in my case, and through many opportunities and traveling uh, in, in the Caribbean and in Mexico with uh, job opportunities, and then finally ending in the, in the United States and several cities, Chicago, St. Louis, and then finally coming to Seattle uh, almost 19 years ago with my family, making this our final stop, I think. Uh, it has been great to to remember that I need to give back, and what I do today as part of my work and my personal values is give back to my communities that deserve and need the help, in particular those of us that uh, in one way or another have found some success through education and through the help of people. I cannot turn my back on my communities. So my job as Director of Social Responsibility matches my values, and, and that's what I do, um, Hayward and Eddie. That's what I do every day. And then I get to meet people like you. How can I not do more for my community? That's, that's, 
That's the bottom line. I also want to give a shout-out to Charlene Jones, too, who is really uh, on uh, the job, and she does an outstanding job, and she does a good job in terms of being the face of your office as well. So I definitely want to uh, give her a good And, you know, we had the opportunity to meet with the new director of equity, uh, Ms. Bukta. Uh, Meeting was set up, uh, and we had a chance to meet with her. And we also let her know exactly what we thought about you. And uh, I was unfortunate that she wasn't there last night. But, you know, trying to do anything in Seattle at 530 Hayward. I know, right? I mean, well, I'm just telling you. Plus, it's the hottest day of the year. But I still think that, we, you know, the spirit was there. The spirit was there. That was the most important thing. Thank so, you. And, yeah, and, yes. uh, and, the, and the people that needed to be acknowledged were acknowledged like Luis Navarro. So. And uh, that is also uh, a reminder for me and the Port of Seattle that we must continue to provide the communities, underrepresented communities, uh, women and minorities, in particular minorities who have been left out of many opportunities in the past, that we must uh, redouble our efforts. And with Bukta on board, I'm hoping that we can do even more for our communities to, to make the Port of Seattle a true uh, public agency that doesn't forget the public in the, in our name. Well, so far, if the people follow your lead, that will, yeah, that will not mm-hmm. happen. And, and then another thing, too, is that we lo- I saw the numbers from uh, me and Rice's office, and they were less than stellar. Yes. And uh, so we're going to be also asking uh, the poor commission, uh, as bad as these numbers look, to, to start doing a quarterly evaluation rather than waiting to the end of the year or two years to say, oh, we're not doing it. So, but that's for I think on the elected officials. I think that uh, if uh, they uh, insist that this is done, it will get done. So, but Lewis, I want to thank you for your time thank today, you and so thank much. you for all the work thank you're doing you. in the community. All right, uh, so. let's 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 do more. Okay, thank then. Yeah, bye bye. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Lewis. All right, our next guest is no stranger to KKNW eleven fifty AM because she hosts a Mother's Justice show every Monday at two o'clock. And she also was an honoree last night at the 56th anniversary commemorating the 63 March on Washington and Mount Zion. And uh, she is the founder of Mothers for Police Accountability, co-chair of the Community Oversight Board for the Police, and that is Reverend Harriet Walden. So Reverend Harriet, Haywood Evans, and Eddie Rye here. Congratulations once again on your award. Well, thank you so much, and thank you for uh, for uh, giving me that award, and, uh, I, and thank you for inviting me on your show. So uh, this is Pretty cool. Well, well, thank you for inviting me on your show. <laughs> that's that's what led up to the event on on uh, last night by having that access. So, but yeah. uh, why don't uh, I know a lot of you are on and a lot of people hear you? But uh, we would like to have you just talk about uh, the background on Mothers for Police Accountability, and then we'll just gradually go into what you're currently doing with Community Oversight Committee. Well, uh, it's been 29 years since I started Mothers. Mm-hmm. This is last, uh, actually, uh, September is our anniversary month, but the event happened in 2000. I mean, and uh, uh, back uh, 29 years ago in 1990, uh, my kids coming home. Two of my kids was coming home. Or I could say one of my, my sons was coming home from the Black Community Festival, and uh, they got stopped by an overproducer uh, who would look, like to write t- tickets in, uh, in the African American community and. And at that time, uh, Seattle was going through, uh, you had a lot of uh, activity uh, uh, with gangs and a lot of other stuff, but all our children were not criminal involved with uh, this activity. And so the police officers said they were looking for uh, guns and uh, drugs, and they never searched the car. 
And uh, my other son came out the house, and so four boys got arrested that night. Uh, I was not at home, obviously, because I probably would have went outside, but I was not at home. And so uh, as a result of that, uh, I started Mothers Against Police Harassment because there was nobody actually standing up for young people. Our kids were being criminalized, and they're still being criminalized just for being black. And uh, they were made to get out the car, take the position, get on the ground. And uh, and uh, they were having felony stops happening to them all the time because when a police officer uh, come up on you uh, and he has his guns drawn and uh, asks you out the car, that's a felony stop. And those stops are only supposed to be uh, if the person uh, has uh, is driving a stolen car or uh, this person is a suspect of a crime. And so that was happening all the time in our community. And uh, as a result of that, the young people were just getting tired of being jacked. They used to call it being jacked all the mm-hmm. time. And so we started Mothers uh, Against Police Harassment. And over the t- over year, over time, we became uh, Mothers for Police Accountability because, number one, you got to stand for something. Uh, uh, and then our work uh, moved beyond uh, harassment to real accountability uh, because we used to get calls from people who might have uh, been married or had was, you know, involved with police officers and, you know, that in those days, People were kind of afraid to uh, complain, and they didn't want to file a complaint. They just wanted to talk. Uh, and so our work expanded. And so uh, as it is now, 29 years later, we've been part of many tribunals that rock across the country. We were part of the National Coalition for Police Accountability uh, with Citizen Alert uh, in Chicago. Um, and uh, we've kept the grassroots voice alive not only here but around the country. Uh, and uh, we believe that the police officers work for us, and I think that that really should be the tagline, is that they work for us and that we have a right to have uh, oversight over our employees. And ironically, uh, when the university, uh, when Children's Hospital had this problem a few uh, months ago about uh, a mole and they had to do something, they had to do something uh, immediately because they were going to lose their accreditation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they got that situation handled because they had to close the emergency, they had to close operating rooms. So it's amazing that uh, uh, places like hospitals can absolutely lose their accreditation or something if they don't get it right. And we keep all around the country trying to get police reform, and they keep kind of like squeezing out of it. So, uh, so here we are, uh, 2019, still working on police reform, uh, and the uh, SPMA contract for management <laughs> is getting ready to be uh, looked at here really soon. Uh, and uh, the judge did order the city to work with the Community Police Commission and the monitors team to come up with a methodology going forward, and uh, she did not do that. She hired a consulting company. Uh, and uh, and act like we were all in, involved with that, but we were not. And so there's been some real disingenuous stuff going on. We've lost a lot of time uh, uh, in doing this because of uh, not being will- willing to collaborate and work with us. So, uh, and I think I think that the time will come though that people are going to absolutely demand police reform in uh, either uh, either some kind of ways of uh, maybe looking at having police departments. Uh, 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 decertified. I mean, and, uh, and you know, when looking at going to impact the budget, because we have to get police reform, we have to get control of the people who who are who are licensed to carry a gun and to actually sometimes use those guns in a fatal way, uh, and absolutely most of those times uh, uh, without any uh, without any charges being brought forth toward police officers. And that's not only here, but it's across the country. Uh, so, Reverend Walden, first, congratulations on on your award from the Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee. But I have a question. Now, is the city of Seattle Police Department still 
uh, under court order to comply with this whole um, coming back to the community or accountability. What's going on there again? Well, well, you know, the accountability section was not part of the consent decree. I mean, but we have got uh, amicus status by, because of the use of force. And so we are, uh, we are a friend of the court party, but we're not up under the consent mm-hmm. decree for accountability. And so I think the judge is looking at that. But one of the things that he's really concerned about is the comp- uh, accountability ordinance that, that the city council voted on in 2017. And some of those things did need to be negotiated. And like the city has not even tried to call the union back about, about uh, in the, in any of the reopeners that they agreed to. And so if you don't put anything on the table and you don't negotiate hard, you're not going to get anything. Uh, and so uh, I've watched this over the time. And one of the things I've come to believe is that the city never bargains hard because they can always blame the union. And then and people are like us, we used to say, oh, man, it's just the union. It's just the guild. But actually, the city does not do its part. To bar- I mean, it's, it's the union's job to get anything they can. It's the mm-hmm. boss to say, no, you can't have that. Mm-hmm. You know, no, we're not doing that. And so if they're not standing up hard and negotiating hard, well, then they walk away with the store, uh, all the candy, mm-hmm. and plus getting a raise. Uh, and, uh, and, and so uh, on, on the 10 uh, uh, areas where the, um, the DOJ found that the city was out of compliance with constitutional policing, the judge has said that uh, 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 they, that phase is going into a two-year sustainment plan, and now that's what they're working on to see if they can sustain uh, use of force. And I mean, the same to uh, 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 be able to sustain uh, 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 the um, the findings that, that they are in compliance and they are acting within the law. Uh, uh, they're getting the training, and uh, they obey in the training. Okay. Uh, and so what's out there hanging now is the police accountability and the uh, and, and the police and the uh, and that ordinance and how will we be able to implement uh, the public uh, trust in the police if they're never disciplined uh, and that's a real important piece. Well, Reverend Weldon, they always get their jobs back. We we out of time, but I tell you one thing: right. I know we can check in at two yeah. o'clock on Monday to hear a follow up, and if you want to be updated on what's happening with community police relations, I suggest you check. <laughs> The Mother's Justice Show out every Monday at 2 o'clock. So thank you very much, and right, congratulations you. once thank again you. for right. your outstanding thank you. work. Thank you, for, thank you for having me on. Thank okay. Bye-bye. Okay, so we'll take a quick break and come back with our next guest after this. At the Port of Seattle, diversity is the source of possibility and strength. And we honor our diverse community by expanding opportunities for all people to share in our region's economic prosperity. From the seaport to the airport, we're working to support small businesses including those owned by women and minorities, and to create quality jobs with lifelong career paths. The Port of Seattle continues to be your port of opportunity. Step up your commute and ride light. Sound Transit's new Capitol Hill and University of Washington Link Light Rail stations are now open. Get around town faster and more reliably than ever. Ride now from the University of Washington to Capitol Hill in just four minutes or continue on to Westlake Station in just eight minutes. Find lots of helpful information on how to ride, how to get an ORCA card, and more at ulink2016.org. Link Light Rail. More stations, more places. Ready to shake things up? Try Alternative Talk 1150. Okay, welcome back to Urban Forum Northwest with Haywood Evans and Eddie Rye. Our next guest is Jamie Elmore, founder of Alopecia Support Group. 
Got an event coming up on Saturday at Luther's Table in Renton, and she's on the line with Miles Ross, a filmmaker, a man that has outstanding and impeccable credentials. So we're going to start with Jamie Elmore. Jamie, bring us up to date on what's going on. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Rye, for having us um, on your show again. Once again, we thank you for all your support that you give to us. But we have two events coming up. This Saturday, um, we have a, our Cafe Conversations, which is a non-traditional support group for individuals dealing with alopecia. And for your listeners who are not familiar with what alopecia is, alopecia is an autoimmune disease. It's where your immune system attacks your hair follicle and causes your hair to fall out. 6.8 million people are affected in the U.S. and 147 million people worldwide. And so I was diagnosed with alopecia back in 2004 and started my support group in 2009. And one of the, the platforms that we were trying to create was a way that people can heal and connect. And Cafe Conversations is one of the events that will be happening at the Luther's Table. But what I'm excited about is I have a gentleman on the line with us by the name of Miles Ross. He is a filmmaker. He is leading um, our project. We will be releasing our first documentary ever titled Harmony Alopecia Stories. We will be releasing that on September the 25th, 2019 here in Seattle, Washington. And Miles has been working on this project along with another filmmaker by the name of Ryan Cotulli for a whole year, and, and Miles is on the line. So, Miles, I just wanted you to come on the line real quick and introduce yourself and tell tell the listeners what um, what has been happening in your life concerning the filming of this documentary and how it has changed your life, and just kind of talk to us a little bit about what you've been doing. <clears throat> uh, hello. Uh, hey, uh, as Jamie said, I'm Miles Ross. I'm one of two filmmakers attached to this uh, Harmony documentary for the Alopecia Support Group. Um, as I'm kind of entering the final few weeks of post, tightening things up, putting, you know, uh, fixing subtitles, just make, making sure the documentary is all nice and tidy, I think just looking over things, um, the thing that has impacted me the most is just the stories I've been able to see. Uh, I, I do not have alopecia personally. Ryan doesn't either. But uh, I, I think part of filmmaking is being able to experience the uh, the experiences of other human beings. As I mentioned, last time I was on the show, and that's only grown. I've only learned more and more about that in these uh, last few months of working on it. Wow. Well, th well, thank you so much. I do know that w what I love about you is your gift of, of creativity, and you know my vision. You, you, you've been able to really help tell the stories in a creative way, and that's our whole goal, Miles. I just appreciate your professionalism. And Mr. Um, Rye, what I love about Miles as well is he's been consistent, professional, and we've been meeting every single week since January, um, I'll say, for the editing and all the other things. We've been working on it for a whole year, and so – I don't know if you have any more questions, uh, Mr. Rye, for Mr. Ross, but you know. No, I'd just like to hear day, a little bit more. I'd like to <laughs> hear a little bit more about his background. What kind of what kind of uh, stuff has he produced to date? Just uh, just to get an idea for our listeners. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm um, I'm besides being a, uh, working on this documentary, I'm primarily a narrative filmmaker. Uh, my short film Rage, you can look up YouTube.com/slash/filmxfilms. Uh, it's about a young man in boxing. I don't want to spoil too much about it, but that's one at a few different film festivals. Um, it's per, it's one at the Seattle Transmedia Independent Film Festival. Um, it's currently nominated 
and is going to be at the Austin Micro Shorts Film Festival uh, later this year in Austin, Texas. Uh, I have a web series pilot that's online right now called Inserts Good Game, which I was fortunate enough to get into the 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 Sicily Web Fest this last uh, month, which is really really awesome. And um, yeah, but but beyond all that, for me, just storytelling is storytelling. And even though I'm not primarily a documentary filmmaker, being able to tell the story of these awesome ladies and and Jamie has been really really awesome. And uh, yeah, also, Mr. I have, sorry, just to interrupt, um, I've, I've been told, I'm, I actually have a family member who knows you, if you're familiar with a Wade Ross, but he was my grandpa. Oh, absolutely, of course. Him. I knew yeah. the, I knew the whole, all the, all Rosses, all of them. Cool, cool. Well, I can meet you in person someday soon. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Wade Ross, Hannibal Ross, Raymond Ross. Yeah, yes, indeed. So, uh but as, uh, Jamie, I want to go back to you right quick. Uh, it sounds like you really got this one hooked up uh, with, with, with Miles Ross. It's like you got it hooked up. It sounds like he really has it going on. So uh, let us know. Now, before we go out, tomorrow, uh, Saturday at Luther's Table at what time? From 2 o'clock p.m. to 4 o'clock p.m. It's a free event. They can go to our website at alopeciasupportgroup.org and find all the additional information about this event if you're dealing with alopecia you're dealing with hair loss come and see us so we can support you and um, walk with you on your journey okay and then we'll hear back from uh, miles as we go along the uh, the documentary uh path okay yes so when you guys get close we get ready to release release that i want to make sure you come on here first okay that sounds good thank you okay 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 miles and jamie thank both of you very much we appreciate you Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right. Bye. Okay. Uh, hey, we got a few shout-outs to give people from uh, last night at Mount Zion Baptist Church for the uh, 56th anniversary of the 63 March on Washington. And Belma Valoria, they said, next time bring some more Filipino food. Oh, they, they And Catfish Corner, they said they ran out of greens too soon. Yep. Ezel's, uh, I like the spicy. I don't I like, like the original. I like the spicy, too. There you go. <laughs> but uh, Ezel showed out, and we really do appreciate that. Uh Urban Forum Northwest is brought. Oh, I want to give a shout out to Kelly Johnson and the crew at Scott's Trophies out in Ballard, woman owned business. They did an outstanding job. Uh, but the Port of Seattle's Office of Social Responsibility, we had Louis Navarro on earlier, uh, Sound Transit Small Business uh, Development and Labor Compliance Office, the City of Seattle's Personal Construction Services Office with Liz Alzier, Concourse Concessions with Dave Fukuhara, SeaTac Bar Group LLC. Have Africa Lounge in the Mountain Room Bar at Concourse A at SeaTac with Jerry Whitsett and Rod O'Neill, two Desert Storm veterans, military officers. Solstice Media is Stephanie Ogle that does our technology. Uh, don't forget the Roots Picnic is Sunday from 10 to 6, right behind the Northwest African American Museum at Sam Smith and Jimi Hendrix Park. And uh, Rumba Notes Lounge every Thursday. LaTanya and Nichelle will welcome you in to hear some of the best live music going. And uh, well, we had a very good meeting. We will report on that later with uh, uh, the governor's subcabinet about bringing some equality back to Washington State. Don't forget when you get your ballot, vote to approve I-1000. Uh, Nat Jackson was an award winner as well as Pastor Kerry last night. We'll get them their awards later. Thank you. <laughs>